Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Tell me what's worse than learning all that you led to believe was all horse crap. They distort so question as if you Warshack. Horsemen force men and they've long been having the course mapped. It ain't that you can't see, cause you can find it homes, it's that you don't want to. You cope by putting the blinders on. I've been trying to find some kind of way, but I've kind of known that y'all would rather whine and lash to nonsense cause your mind is gone. I can't save every person in politics and it's bringing the worst out the very earth. And every perk of living on this turf is being chipped at and nerfed, but I can't sit back and lurk. I've got to hit back, I'm certain it's my purpose. It's it's rare. It's rare to see. Really, we haven't been. I haven't been doing a podcast for a year. Wow. Uh, It's dark. Is literally like when when a writer and directors like when they just think of every possibility and then like write it out. Like I just appreciate it. Have you have you seen Green Room? I've not seen Green Room yet. If it's it's crazy. It's about this punk band that goes uh, and ends up playing a show for neo Nazis. And Patrick mm. Stewart is their uh, like their leader, and it's these kids, these kids in a punk band, stuck in the green room trying to get out without getting killed by all of the uh, the Nazis, the neo Nazis. It's it's crazy. <laughs> um, it's really really well done, but it's it's pretty like nihilistic to be honest. But David, is it your favorite horror movie, uh, Jennifer's Body? <laughs> oh God, dude, that's an underrated <laughs> movie though. He's that's not wrong. A good it, movie. Yeah. Uh, so my wife is uh, like thrillers are too much for her. She's a scaredy cat, right? And uh, so this past week I'm at work and I get an email uh, from Apple and I see a, a thriller movie. I'm like, did someone get you know my you know my Apple account hack into it? Because I've had that trouble uh, in the past. And I said I, I talked to my wife when I got home and and she's like, no, I got it because Megan Fox was in it. She's a huge Megan Fox fan. I'm just oh, like, oh no. <laughs> So Megan Fox will do it, but yeah, apparently Megan Fox will. I can't get past her thumbs; they just kind of scare me. Just, um... I was literally having a conversation with someone about that this morning. I forgot about the thumbs. Yeah, the most awkward things I've ever seen in my life. Like how? <laughs> what did God do? Why? Why did God do you that way? I mean, He gave her everything else. Well, besides That's why? Her, That's why He, he did gave it, her bro. everything else. You can't you know, be that like, pretty and have no flaws, bro. <laughs> I guess her acting ability is a big flaw, but I mean, yeah, really but even even off rip, even if she can't act, she's still too pretty. So you got to give her something else. That's mm-hmm. yeah. so David has the audio. Oh, you're uh, we're good. I turned I had to turn myself down a little bit. Okay, um, but you'll be talking for most of this anyway. So perfect, ready to go. Call big mouth. So we'll go when I uh, start it. I will uh, say, hey, you know, welcome to the Underground Podcast, blah, blah, blah. We're uh, here with the guys from Two du- two Gloves and the Dubs podcast. I keep Dub- wanting to say two no dubs S. and a glove. Literally, <laughs> I literally wrote it on our show notes. And I'm like, even though I know that it's two gloves and a dub, and I'll let, we'll go Tony, we'll go Mikey, Alon, and then Lindell. Y'all can introduce yourself and all that stuff. And then. I'll just start asking y'all deep personal questions, you know, your deepest, darkest secrets and everything. So, Define and introduce myself. Love and interest. Define. I mean, whatever whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. Whatever you want to say. 
He's like, I who you voted for in the last <laughs> election? Uh, <laughs> what you think about religion and politics, all that stuff, and the vaccine? You know, just getting all that. I'll never introduce myself. It's, uh, all about power and control. What? I'm a vax. I'm a vax anti-vaxer. Yeah. Back about the vaccines, but I've never gotten the vaccine. I'm a vaccine dealer. <laughs> Yeah, what you want? Pfizer, Moderna, what you want? I got everything. Got, it, got that Johnson Johnson. <laughs> that J and J. That'd be too funny, man. Uh all right, Joseph. You're up. All right. all right, guys. Welcome to back to the Underground Podcast. And I am here with the guys of two Gloves in the Dub podcast. Go ahead, Tony. What's, what's going on, guys? This is uh, Tony Clark with two gloves and a dub. Um, what's 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 going on? <laughs> Smooth. It's good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man, Tony, oh. don't be so modest, man. All right, Mikey, this- I think you're up. Hello, everyone. My name is Mikey Conlon with. Two gloves and a dub. So you already know what the business is. Where the honey's at? Where the honey's That's at. what I was waiting at. That's what I was waiting for. What's up, everyone? This is a long uh, cruise. I guess since we're oh, here. Oh, my bad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. Go ahead. I guess since we're here, uh, I just have new merch. If you're a jiu-jitsu practitioner, I have a rash guard that just came out. It says where the honey's at. And it's got uh, a girl named B on the front. She's riding a honeycomb stick. Very provocative. I love it. Hey, man. Send me a grappler shot. I'll get that info from you uh, after the podcast, and I'll put in our show notes so people can just click on it right there. You bet. What's up, guys? This is uh, Lon Cruz. Two gloves and a dub as well. Um, Tampa, Florida. uh, 813. Uh, I'm a coach over at Kaizen MMA. If you want to come through for a free class, come take my MMA class. Um, I also train in the mixed martial arts. So that's it. That's all I got. And uh, last and definitely least, uh, <laughs> I am uh, Lindell DeVoe, former chef. Uh, I am a lover of pretty much all sports. Um and yeah, I want to eventually want to start my own podcast, and these guys allow me to join them, and you know, basically kind of experiment, you know, with the consistency of podcasting. So I'm grateful for grateful to be a part of their team. Yeah, man, it's definitely uh, you hit a key word there, consistency, and that's the key, being consistent, because it definitely becomes a grind. Uh, and Alon, you know, I'll get with you. We'll talk about actually before I get into all that. Let me get your y'all's opinion. Did y'all watch the fight last night? The main event, TJ versus Corey. Of course. Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the general consensus con- consensus is that TJ won rounds one and round three, and then Corey as well. Corey won round two and four, and then so it comes down to round five. Mm-hmm. Okay. So why do y'all think that Corey won round five? I had TJ in round five. He he let off the gas, man. That's what it yeah. was. I think he thought he had it secured, and mm-hmm. so he kind of just 
you know, was coasting for that round, just didn't want to get caught. And, you know, it was like, I just got to make this round and then I'll win the fight while TJ was turning up. I mean, TJ never stopped. He kept coming forward. He was pushing the pace. And uh, and yeah, you know, they were they were mentioning how every time uh, TJ would land or throw a combo, uh, Corey would add just one more piece to that combo at the end. Like mm-hmm. he like like, you know, TJ would land like a like two shots and then Corey would hit him back, you know, one, two, you know, maybe three times at the end. Um, but I still think TJ, you know, did enough in that fifth round to, you know, take the decision. It was really, mm-hmm. really to be honest, it could have gone either way. I kind of saw it as either Corey winning or a draw because if I if I'm and y'all can correct me on this, uh, you heard me mention in the chat, Tony, that under a new scoring criteria, they really emphasize effective was effective striking, correct? And Mm -hmm. then if it's if that's even, then it comes down to aggression and control. Uh, And so I guess it depends on how you define effective striking from other people I've heard who are more knowledgeable about it. It's kind of damage is, is taken a lot, not, not cosmetic damage, right. But, uh, you know, heavy, a heavy hit, a medium hit and a light hit. And it's kind of how I saw around five. I agree with you that it seemed that TJ turned up the aggression and control. And in my opinion, kind of the entire fight, TJ was the one pressing the fight you know, really had the control advantage. But in my opinion, you know, you break it down round by round and Corey had the effective striking advantage. So the number one criteria, Corey had that. And that's why that's why I saw him winning. Otherwise, if it was under the old scoring criteria, I would say, hey, TJ won. But I mean, I also was never a professional fighter. So. So I can respect your opinion a lot. Because I don't want to get so, beat up, so <laughs> uh, don't worry, don't worry, Alonzo Teddy Bear. So, in my opinion, I, I have you. Guys, you can talk to these guys. I, I'm I have very uh, different opinions of things, and uh, but I have an overall opinion of the situation. Mm-hmm. But in in a vacuum of just a fight, um, I agree with one and three for TJ, two and four for Corey. I thought Corey won the fight because of kind of where where you what you stated. My problem with a lot of MMA scoring is um, the times when Corey was piecing TJ up and TJ would, you know, get back control up against the cage but not yeah. do anything. Yeah. It's like, are we really going to score him because he's he's kicking this, he's kneeing this man in his thighs and his hamstring? Like, that's that's dominant position. That, that trumps getting hit in the face 40 times. And it's like, you know, we, we we talk about aggression. It's like, okay, so if you're just going to run at somebody for five rounds, get hit in the face as you're running at them, but yet you're being aggressive, we're going to give you the advantage. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like DC said it last night, he doesn't even know how to score fights anymore because he doesn't know what they're looking at. The Macy Barber, Miranda Maverick fight, that really threw a wrench into like what the how the judges are going to score the rest of the night because in that fight, Macy Barber – is outstruck almost three to one going into the third round. And then she has a, she has a dominant third round. And so all of a sudden now she wins a fight two to one. It makes no sense. How they're scoring. I I don't feel like that's a, a fair comparison with those two fights only because Macy Barber clearly lost. She lost the first two rounds without a doubt in anybody's mind. Period. Agreed. On the TJ Dillashaw, Corey Sanhagen, they were having 
close rounds in the sense of like the numbers weren't too dramatically different except for the fourth and third, which were Corey's rounds that he won. Uh, clearly. Um, the other rounds, you had TJ pushing forward. Uh, nine out of ten times, people aren't going to win a fight going backwards. There's nobody that mm-hmm. wins a fight uh, outside of, like, maybe a Israel or something like that, where he's still landing enough to, like, show the difference in, in who's winning. But They're nobody, yeah, no, nobody wins a fight walking backwards. You can't, you, uh, the cage control went to TJ, um, like, just the aggression in general oh, walking forward. Yeah. Like, I, I just thought that that was the biggest difference for Corey. Like, yeah, you're landing a good shot at the end of my combo uh, or a significant strike, but you're doing it as you're running away from me to a degree. Um, I, I, is, I just, is Corey more of a counter striker than a, a... I would have said um, this before the fight, honestly. I think mm. he does both. He, yeah. He's an aggressor, but he also, he likes to counter strike too. He's, he's kind of just, he does it all. Yeah. He's, hey, he's, man. He's a mix of... That EPO really helped TJ with his sh- with that chin, though. <laughs> Dude, he ate that knee. No, prop- on it, truly, no, no, regardless no. He ate of multiple if, knees. I know. <laughs> regardless of the outcome of the fight, congratulations mm-hmm. to TJ because I mean, a two year layoff coming up against yep. a a solid uh, professional fighter. I mean, that's a that's a good performance. I I I see what you're saying. I just still think that. I don't feel like TJ really did much with his dominant positions he had. And then I feel like his aggression, instead of it being an advantage for him, um, was either neutralized or disadvantaged. Because I feel like, again, kind of like what Alon said, if, if TJ would hit him one time, or Alon, uh, um, Corey seemed to come back with either an equal amount of strikes back or uh, or, or even if it was an additional strike as well, but again, heavier, heavier combos. Like he was, he was stinging TJ more so than TJ was stinging him. So that's kind of how I see it. That's when I say effective striking, like the damage involved. But I think that's, again, it's kind of like the, the rules almost seem too vague, if that makes sense, you know, to, we can see it. We all can sit here and see it one way, you know, our perceptions are different. Mm-hmm. And how we see it. So, but I definitely see where you're coming from. I can totally understand why someone would say TJ won that fight because of that. And I feel like if it wasn't for the new rules, and if it was utilizing the old rules, I would still have that same mindset and thought process. And even with that, still, I still think, hey, you know, that aggression has to has to count for something, right? Well, for me, I think anybody who calls it a robbery is crazy because it wasn't a robbery. It was a close fight. Um, TJ had eight minutes and 22 seconds of control of the fight. Um, That's more than half of the, or, or, or half of the fight, right? More than half of the fight. And then on top of that, you had him shooting for all the takedowns that he shot for. And then on top of that, their strikes were damn near identical. um, TJ Landon 169 to Corey Sanhagen's 171. Um, So the drastic difference there would have been the cage control on TJ. You know what I mean? Which was all TJ. TJ was yeah. really the only person aggressing his opponent yeah. on the cage. You know, it was always Corey's back on the cage or TJ on Corey's back. And I know it doesn't seem like he was doing anything. Like he was doing anything. Well, one, mm-hmm. he was his his knee was hurt, so right, he, right. he couldn't really do anything. But um, 
like even even DC mentioned it. Like the thing is, like in wrestling, right? You hit, you wrestle, and somebody shoots a double on you, or you spin, you sprawl on them, you spin around, you get to the back. That's two points. Mm-hmm. Getting to the back is a victory. That that scores you. Agreed. Points. So him just being able to get the court, even though the only difference between being on the ground and on the back is they were standing. So mm-hmm. he got to a dominant position, uh, considered, I guess, for wrestling points, wrestling standards, that would be considered a dominant position. It was just standing. Um, but like I said, TJ was hurt, so he couldn't really you know, capitalize on getting that position. All he could do was get control and then throw little strikes to kind of, you know, keep, I guess, keep giving him more points, adding, adding points up. And if you look at that, like if you look at the uh, cage control time over the duration of the fight, he's probably, it's probably like overwhelming. I completely like agree. What doing. Yeah. I mean, T- I don't think, I don't think anyone can argue that TJ wasn't the main aggressor and then also had a dominant control like for the entire fight. Like that clearly went to TJ uh, now you you brought up those statistics, uh, Tony. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about round by round? Do you have? I don't know if you have. I have, it, I have round by round put up. Yeah. Yeah. So can you, do you mind going through it? Just tell me yeah, what yeah. TJ did and then what Corey did in each round. Um, all right. So in round one, um, do you want total strikes or significant strikes? Uh, you could just do total strikes. All right. So total strikes for uh, the first round, you had Corey Sanhagen landing twenty eight to TJ Dillashaw is thirty six. Um, TJ also shot for five takedowns and landed one. With the one takedown, he had two minutes and 24 seconds of control. Okay. Um, round two, you had Corey Sanhagen outlanding TJ Dillashaw 37 to 20. Uh, TJ Dillashaw attempted three takedowns. He wasn't able to get any, but he still had one minute and 18 seconds of control. I assume that was a clinch to the cage or something like that. Right. Um, round three. You, it was closer. You had um, Corey Sanhagen at 36 to TJ Dillashaw's 34 strikes landed with um, one takedown again out of three uh, for TJ Dillashaw with two minutes of control. Round four, you had Corey Sanhagen at 28 to TJ Dillashaw's 35 with TJ Dillashaw shooting for five takedowns. He didn't land any of them, but he still had a minute and 41 seconds of control. Um, round five, 42 to 44 for TJ Dillashaw. Um, uh, three takedown attempts, but none landed. And then um, 59 seconds of control. Um, Corey Sanghagen never was in control, like on the aggression part of uh, any of the rounds. What about significant? Like outstruck him too. Yeah. What he about significant strikes? Significant strikes. I'm going to just do the total for that. Um, okay. It was Corey Sanhagen with 128 to TJ Dillashaw's 110. Hmm. So I think it's also interesting. One of the um, one of the guys I like who breaks down fights uh, is called the Weasel. He's on uh, YouTube, yeah, I like and the as well. uh, and I really like how he breaks down a heavy shot, a, a medium strike, and then a light strike. And mm-hmm. you know he'll break it down by each shot and why that why this one's a light, why this one's a medium, why this one's a heavy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think again, extremely close fight. You know. I guess it goes back to what Dana always says. Don't let it go to the judges. 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Corey tried. I mean, that flying knee that he landed. I mean, I, beautiful. I don't, know, I don't know if that's what split TJ open. 
But I, um, I think that was something standing. That yeah. was that yeah. he that that opened a cut on the nose. The uh, right hand from Sanhagen is what split TJ open. But he had he had a cut from uh, he had a but cut. That, in it was the previous camp. cut that he had that he had to pull up from. Right, but that knee, man. I mean, TJ ate it. He like ate a, it, and like then that's he hit the takedown. He hit the takedown after that. Uh, he impressed. Yeah. He impressed me so much. Knowing how hurt he was after the first round with the knee injury, oh, yeah. then he got cu- he got cut open in the first round, right? Uh, I, I think it was the second. Was second. it? Second? I think it was the second. Okay. Um, but even getting cut that early, getting the knee blowed out, and to still just be nothing but relentless aggression towards Corey, even though we all knew that he, you could see him limping, like you know, yeah. in between the rounds, stuff like that. And as soon as the fight started, I'm on your ass. And then once he started throwing leg kicks, I was like, oh, okay, so he yeah. doesn't give a shit. Like, um, but Dude's a I don't killer, know, it's man. tough. And, and and respect to Corey, like he made a post today. Um, Basically just saying, like, you know, congrats to TJ. Like, I watched the fight. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff I could have did more. Like, and I'm not going to, like, y'all can watch the fight. Be your own judge. That's fine. There's stuff I got to work on. That's it. You know, respect to TJ. Um, it's a good fight. I'll be back. You know, he's not out here making any excuses. I love I love to see that. Um, you know, he right. knows he knows that he hurt TJ early. He probably should have pounced on him then when he, when, he, when he hurt him then. But he didn't. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. I like when a fighter after a fight is realistic mm. and not delusional about what uh, may have cost them the fight. And I think that's the problem. You know, you talk about you bring up Conor McGregor and Dustin, you know, every, you know, you know, Tony, that, you know, how Adam and I were talking about. It seems like the old Conor's back for that fight. But then I made the comment. I was like, mm. it, it seems odd, you know the reason why I want to hesitate and say the full old Connor is back is that when Connor McGregor lost to Nate Diaz, he was more realistic about why he lost. He was more honest with himself. He wasn't delusional. Whereas when he lost to Dustin the second time, at least from everything we saw, he was making excuses. He was saying this or that. And it's kind of like as a fighter. And again, I'm not a fighter, but from what I see of successful fighters and then fighters who kind of, you know, maybe fall out is that uh, one of the things like with uh, Rose fighting uh, Wei Zeliang, like Wei, at least her coach, I'm probably not pronouncing her name right. I'm sorry about that. But you did your best. Uh, hey, you know, I'm trying over here. She came out with that statement and was blaming the crowd and stuff like that. I'm like, you got to be honest with yourself and say, hey, this is what made me lose the fight. And it could have just been, hey, you know what? That was just a good freaking clean shot by Rose. I didn't see it coming. Next fight, I'm going to see it coming. You know, with with Connor, you know, giving Dustin his props. It doesn't mean that you have to um, kiss his foot, right? But you can be mm-hmm. like, uh, assess yourself honestly. And I feel like when you do that, that's how you see someone like Dustin Poirier, for example. He obviously assessed himself and was able to grow and eventually become, you know, considerably one of the best fighters in the lightweight division, the number yeah. one contender. And Joseph, to your point, um, that shows in like the way that Pete, like, for instance, Connor, right? He does not handle adversity well. Um, and almost all of his losses is, you know, except for the Nate, I guess early on the Nate Diaz fight, he he recognized what he needed to work on. But you can tell, like, some of these guys when they lose fights, they don't handle adversity well. Like, it, it shows in their actual fights as well. Um, mm. If Connor's on the ground against somebody who has who has superior jujitsu. It's all—it's almost a wrap. Like, 
could have I was kind of hoping he was going to sink that guillotine just because it'd be hilarious if Dustin lost by guillotine. That would have been. Yeah, awesome. it, it's, Don't you know, lose to your signature move, man. But it, it's just, you know, you see that with, with quite a few fighters. That's why I like Charles Oliveira because he, mm-hmm. every time he's faced adversity, like he comes back better or he, he learns. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you know, he's probably my, him and Dustin and Rose are probably my three. And then, of course, Izzy. Probably my three to four favorite fighters to watch right now, UFC. Mm, yeah, um, they just handle they just handle adversity. They just handle adversity well. They they learn from their mistakes. They come back. They apply what they've learned. It's just beautiful. Yeah, no, or, you got that right. You can Go just be Khabib and be excellent all the time and have a, yeah. well, literally the most perfect career you can ask for. Well, you have to wrestle bears first, so that's how you yeah. achieve that. And then fight people and, who are and one lose in sixteen. And Tebow and get like you know, yes. Employer, Thank so. you. We definitely lost that fight. He definitely lost to Glacier T. I don't care what anybody says. I'll, I'll, I'll argue Glacier that all day. Go. Yeah. Hey. Oh, then Glacier, he, it's crazy though because Islam knocked out Glacier and then it's just like I don't know. He does lost like, that fight. And I feel like every great Marcus fighter first. in history. Go, go ahead, ahead Josh. Josh. I was gonna say I feel like every great fighter in history has like that one controversial win where they really lost. Like Floyd Mayweather, he lost to Jose Luis Castillo the first time. If you go back and watch that fight, I've never seen Floyd get beat that badly in any of his fights. Madonna. No, it was worse than Madonna. Way worse than Madonna. Which is why it's so controversial that he that he they gave him that fight. It's crazy. Well, if you look at Habib to the guys that he fought. And his uh, lead up to the UFC, and, and obviously any you know pro- amateur fighter or professional fighter starting out, obviously they're not fighting you know uh, world champions, elite level guys. Like when people say that Jake Paul should be fighting someone like Tyson Fury, that type of level or something like, dude, he's a amateur fighter, you know, beginning professional fighter. But with Habib, I mean, it's like. His first 15 to 20 fights, a lot of the guys he fought were like four and eight, two and ten. Yes, exactly. My level of fighters, I'd be in there like, you know what? I could potentially beat that guy, and I don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) You know? But go ahead. I was going to say it's tough when you have the people from, to me, from other countries because they get different kind of matchups in some of those other places. You know what I mean? Compared like, to over here, I think. Right. Yeah. It's like Brazil and Russia. Like Brazil mm-hmm. and Russia, when you get a Brazilian that's like 15 and 0, you're like, what does that 15 and 0 look like, though? Like, yeah. You know, who are they fighting? You know, it's yeah. it's a good it's a good thing for them that they can fight like these as much as lower tier fighters to yeah. get into the UFC. You know, and it it's still gonna make you better regardless. Even if you that's still 15 fights of experience that you've gotten. And that's 15 fights of you smashing somebody for the most part. So you're getting that confidence as well. And your body's getting used to um, dominating somebody else and winning. So Mm -hmm. it does make you better. It's just it's just not as hard as being in America. Try to be 15 and 0. (laughs) Yeah, right. No, that's a good point. And I even think that is potentially a a wise way to go about it. Right. Like, let's let's get our guy on a, a considerable win streak, get him some experience, get him going and going, and then incrementally step up his competition. Um, it's like boxing. Yeah. True. They, you know, they protect their guys up until a certain point, and well, then they, they start fighting for their first WBO title or whatever it is. You know, they don't just throw them into the 
into the frying pan and immediately. What was it like for you, Alon? Um, man, I had I definitely had a lot of hard fights uh, trying to come up. Um, let me think. Like my actually my fight before I got on the contender series, I had to fight this kid in Georgia in his hometown. And what's his was, name? Uh, oh my Bruno? god, Guy Curry. Oh yeah, no, yeah, sure, Curry. And Guy was ranked. He was number two in the in Georgia. And he was like number five in the southeast or something. So I fought him. Before that, I fought uh, Steven Garcia, who he had fought for Bellator. He fought Joe Warren. Um, he was ranked, I don't know, top five in, in Albuquerque. It was actually at Jackson Wing fight night. Um, I just had a lot of a lot of guys like Solo. Like you remember Solo Lindo? Solo yeah. was eight and two. That was a good fight, man. Opponents never been finished um at the time so he was ranked like number two or three in south carolina and he was ranked top five in the southeast so like a lot of the fights i had you know were definitely tough guys but you know i always figured the best thing was you know let me get these tough guys now so that when i get to the ufc that you know it won't be something new or that mm -hmm. i'm already used to it um you know but there's but there's also something to be said for like what we were saying like Getting the like some some people like like Joe Lozon I know like at his camp they're big on like getting the easiest fights possible just to get you up to five six and zero oh, seven and zero oh, and get you in the UFC like that's mm -hmm. their whole that's their whole road so I know some camps My do it like that that's <laughs> so some camps do it, some camps do it like that and then some camps I think I think a good balance is like starting off fighting these like easier guys. And then you challenge your fighter a little bit, you know, give them a harder fight. And then you go to like, you know, evenly matched fights or even slightly below whatever your fighter's caliber is. And then you challenge them again, like give them a guy who's, you know, a stud. Mm -hmm. And then that's, that's, I think that's a good progression. Like, cause you don't want to have your guy fighting guys who are five and oh, six and oh, every single fight. Like one, we're trying to get to the UFC. So that's a, that's a big risk you know, every time you're fighting. Um, and then two, it, I just don't, I, I don't know. It, it, I guess it just really depends on the gym and what your, what your coach wants you to do or your manager wants you to do. Yeah. I actually, uh, went back and watched this past week, uh, a lot of your early fights. And when I saw the contenders, when I, when I saw you, I was like, Oh, this is the guy that landed that flying kick on the contender series. This yeah. is, and I went back and watched. I'm like, dude, that is nasty. When I was, uh, I, I watched your uh, previous two fights as well, and uh, man, you kind of your style in a sense reminds me of Stephen Wonderboy. I don't know if you've been told that before, but you have some nasty Ooh. freaking kicks, man. Like, yeah. I'm not just saying that just to build up your ego, just to yeah, no. talk or whatnot. But when I saw you, I thought I thought for a second with Euros. In the beginning of that fight, when you tried to, I thought that up kick was about to land. And I'm like, man, yeah. that'd be cool just to see that Anderson Silva another one because I think uh, Anderson and then Leota were the only two to land that on. Now Leota landed that uh, on Correct. Randy Couture, so I right, mean, right, knocked his tooth out. Yeah, that's that's big. Um, that's inspiration for my my head coach, my head strike coach, Daniel Daniel Hurtado. He's a black belt in uh, Taekwondo. But he like a legit black belt. Like he has 
So when you're like a legit black belt, like you get your Taekwondo, your uh, you get a certificate from Japan, mm-hmm. and they get it sent to you. And he, he like he's like legit, and he's also done like a lot of capoeira as well. So like he'll have he'll have us doing Jenga, you know, capoeira with capoeira music playing in the background, or he'll just have me work on my side kick, my spinning back kick. I mean, like all my Taekwondo kicks and stuff like that. It's a lot. It's a lot of from him. Dude, that's awesome. I tell you what, my uh, parents, you know, I don't know if uh, my dad and my stepmother, they live in Tampa. And I don't know if we go when we go down there. I know they plan on moving to Chattanooga, but they're still down there. I'll hit you up and I'll let you whoop up on me. I'll go down there. And <laughs> <laughs> For sure. You come to the gym. We'll get some work in. Just make sure Dude. you record it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I ask. We'll, we'll definitely record it. I actually did a couple of... Uh, I trained for like a month at uh, Rush MMA, uh, Cole Miller's uh, place okay. in Macon, Georgia, because that's yeah. where I'm from and everything. Uh, but like a month after training there, and I was going to continue it, but a month after training, I got in a pretty bad car accident. So, mm-hmm. uh, but man, you know, so what led you to, what led you to go into MMA? Um, Why did you choose that? Well, so it's funny that you're from Macon. I fought in Macon one time uh, against a hometown kid. I don't know if you know Josh Millwood. We fought. Uh, it was my, it was my, it was his pro debut and my second pro fight, and nobody wanted to fight him at, at 155, so he came down to 45, and then we fought uh, at the, uh, man, it's a, it's an opera house. I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, yeah, was, the you know, the the Macon Opera House. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I think that's what. Yeah, that place was dope. I like Macon. Macon was awesome. Um, but yeah, so basically, uh, like, nobody ever says started, that about Macon. Yeah, no, uh, nobody ever that. says it about Macon. You're like the I only one in America that said that. You know what I really liked about Macon was <laughs> the architecture. Leaving? Uh, no, no, the architecture. It's still kind of like, old school. Like, yeah, it's like old school mm-hmm. architecture. And I was like, man, I was like, this place is kind of dope. I mean, obviously, we were just there for a few days to fight and then, you know, come back. But, you know, I had a blast there. Um, but, yeah, so basically, I, mean, I just started out like. So I, I played baseball since I was six and all the way up till I got to high school and I tried out for the high school team. And I didn't make it. And um, it was funny because I was just skateboarding a lot. That's why I got I got really into skateboarding. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I would just I would skip baseball practice. I wasn't in, like in great shape. And the first day of tryouts, they had us doing sprint. We didn't even play. We didn't even like I didn't even get to put a glove on and throw a ball in front of the coach. We literally were doing sprints and conditioning. And I remember throwing up after doing pole sprints, and then I got cut that day. So I was like, y'all didn't even watch me play. I was like, you literally just went off of like my you know, uh, cardio and whatnot at the time. So anyway, so I didn't make the team. So then my friend was like, hey, he's like, let's, do, let's join the wrestling team. And I was like, what do you mean? And I was like, that's where they wear the tights and stuff, and they grab each other. And he was like, no, nah, no. Nah. He's like, it's cool, man. It's cool. He's like, and I was like. All right, so I had nothing else to do. So we joined wrestling, and then I loved wrestling, so I wanted to stay in shape during the summer because they didn't have a summer wrestling club. So I joined Tiger Shulman's, and Tiger Shulman's was transitioning from a karate gym. It was TSK, but they changed into TSMMA, so they were transitioning to an MMA gym. Um, so they did. that's where I first you know, started doing like submission grappling and kickboxing and you know whatever else we were doing. And I fell in love with it. So I would wrestle. And then after wrestling, I would go to Tiger Shulman's. And I would train more. And that's when I kind of figured out, like, I was like, man, like, this would be so dope to do, like, you know, full time. I didn't really make that commitment until. Um, so then I went to Grace Tampa when I was, like, 18. Mm-hmm. I left Tiger Shulman's because they just had a better quality of jujitsu. Right. 
and Matt Arroyo was my, my coach at the time. And he was like, why don't you just quit? Because I was in school at HCC. And he was like, why don't you just quit school and just go pro? Because in Florida, you can only go pro. There was no amateur at the time. Oh, and wow. I was like, nah. I was like, give me some amateur fights out of state or I'll go pro and I get my purple belt. So we fought out in Tennessee because, you know, those were amateur fights. And they were all pro rules, though. So that was the cool thing. Um, and then from there, dude, I was hooked. I mean, I had my, I had six amateur fights. Um, and then I went pro right after that. And then, although my pro career, it took me a long time to get to the UFC. I mean, I went pro in 2013 and I didn't get to the UFC till 2019. Um, and that's just because I had so many people back out of fights and, you know, promotion, pr- promoters falling through. There was a two year period where I didn't get the fight because we just couldn't get anybody to fight like it it, t- it took two years to fight my pro debut it took a year for me to make my pro debut just because it's that difficult we, we couldn't get yeah i mean the thing is like once once you get to that like that level where like you're kind of considered a tough fight it's really hard to find people to fight you because nobody mm-hmm. wants to put their record on the line and then they look at who you fought and i think that's what really messed me up too is fighting solo so early on because I fought solo after coming off a loss. I'd fought for the Florida State title and I was only three and oh. I lost that fight in the first round. And um after that I fought solo who was eight and two and I and I destroyed him. And I think after that everybody was just like, Oh shit, like he beat solo, like and you just look at the record and it's like, you know, he beat this kid and then after that it just it was so hard to find fights. So Man, that freaking <laughs> sucks, dude. Yeah, eventually I got a manager, and then that really helped out things. Did uh, so? Do you have a fight coming up? Yeah, I mean, so it's not um, it's not confirmed or anything or solidified, but I might be fighting for CFFC um, September sixteenth, and it'll be here in, in Tampa. So my my teammates the main event. So hopefully, either I'll be the co-main or I'll be like the you know co-co-main. So. I'm just waiting on a I'm waiting on an opponent and a contract and then uh, that's it. So that's what I'm looking forward to right now. Man, that's awesome, dude. Well, uh, definitely let us know when that gets announced. And you know, uh, with CCFC, is that something we could watch online? It, it'll be on Fight, Fight Pass. Pass. Fight yeah. Pass. Oh yeah, K- UFC. K- nice. K- that's right. Fighting Championship. Yeah. yeah. That'd be what's up. Yeah. So that's it. That's all I'm getting ready for. Uh, oh, so, 55. I can't make 45 anymore. Pick one, two really? seats, three seats. I'm, yeah, I can't do. I can't touch 45 anymore. Oh man. What uh? What uh? So what led you, Alon, to hop on and start doing this podcast? How'd that get started for you? Um, man, I it, I was a guest. I was a guest. Um, I don't know if Lindell were. I don't know if you were on. The first time I was on, too? Uh, I think I was on the second time. Okay. So, basically, Josh, uh, Mikey, and Tony were doing this already. Two gloves and a dub. Um, I don't know. Was it? I don't even know if it was. At the time, it was um, Lifers Podcast. The Lifers Podcast. And then it became two gloves. MMA Mondays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... So they invited me on, and I was like, yeah, I was like, I'll do it. I was like, why not? And plus, it's cool like to be on a podcast with my friends. So I was like, all right. And, um, you know, we did it. We broke down the fights, and it was so fun. And I was out in Vegas at the time getting ready for Udos. Um, so I was just in my 
in this little casita in the backyard, staying at Coach Casey's house. Um, so I had I really had nothing to do. So like my friends like back home and online were like my whole like support. You know, obviously my girlfriend and my family back home too. But yeah. like they they're, they're like the only people I could really talk to all day. So like my Sundays and my days were pretty, you know pretty like open aside from when I was training. So I was like, yeah, I was like, I'll do it. So. You know, they were like, yeah, you can come back on anytime. You know, if you want to break down the fights. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I was like, I'm down to do it. So, you know, I just kept being, I just, you know, jumped on. And then we would have uh, one of one of my teammates out there on. And, you know, I was bringing in guests. And, you know, so I would be there to, like, you know, be there with the guests. Cause I know them. And then we just, you know, came part of the podcast. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I am. And I love these guys. Nice, man. It's funny you say that because Mikey was talking mad crap about you before and he was saying, oh, yeah, I'd be Alon in the fight. <laughs> yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure. I'm sure. I've heard it before. Mikey said what? And the cool thing, too, is, like, I never knew Tony um, other than, like, playing COD online with him. And then, you know, we got basically got to a point to where, you know, we've been on the podcast, we know each other and stuff that when I drove – I drove back from Vegas, actually flew at Lindell out, and then after my fight, and we drove my car back. So we drove to Georgia to go visit Tony. We stayed at Tony's house for a night. So that was pretty cool. So it was was like, you know, us meeting our podcast friend in real life, you know. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, actually, you know, so go ahead, Mikey. I can't believe you met Tony before I did. I've known Tony for years. Honestly, <laughs> I've known I've known Mikey for a while. Yeah. Oh, and then I stopped, and then we stopped in Orlando. Guess, okay, we saw Mikey at Fusion. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the, that was only the second time I've seen Mikey. I've actually only seen Mikey in person twice. The first time he was working at a restaurant that we went oh, to, and I actually we actually invited him to my house afterwards for a fire pit. So that was the first time I really met Mikey, and then I hadn't. That was maybe. Two and a half, three years ago. And then, yeah, I don't know why either. And then when we stopped by Fusion in Orlando, that was the second time I actually seen Mikey in person. So it's kind of kind of crazy what the pandemic is uh, prohibited, you know? That is crazy, right? I think that's, uh, that's affect everyone. And, and so many people are polarized about, about everything now. But uh, Tony's also, you know, with you guys, my point of contact on this and uh, my – uh, one of my best friends is basically my brother, Adam, uh, knows Tony. And that's how I was introduced with Tony. And uh, Tony, I kind of, uh, you know, your story is interested as well. So I'll, I'll let you explain it. But so what what would you call yourself, like an MMA reporter or that you just cover MMA? or? If anything, I guess it would be like a influencer. I wouldn't consider myself a reporter because it's not like I'm going out and finding these this news myself. Right. Um, normally secondhand or if I, I just try to stay keep my ear to the ground as much as i can so if something breaks what, i can what I can share is like if i post something in the group chat and post it up later but he won't <laughs> no. say nothing about it <laughs> so, alon, 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 alon has never broken news to me ever look look uh, and then I'll, 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 I'll comment on his thing and i'll put mm-hmm let him tell it. He let him tell it. He tells me everything. I I hear everything before Alon. He doesn't hear anything before me. But um, you know what's pretty cool, Tony? What's up? Is that like one? You have like great content, and you're very consistent, and you post every day, and like 
you bring a lot of traffic and eyes in and you like pour into the sport for like the casual fans. It's mm-hmm. so cool. Cause like I'll, I'll see like my friends liking your stuff, commenting on your stuff. Some of them will like send me your posts. I'm like, this is cool. No, like, yeah. I get like a, a Tony Clark MMA post sent to me or, or, or full violence post. I'm like, those are my dogs. Tony's like, famous. Huge MMA nerds and dialers fans. I'm like, those are my dogs though. <laughs> Yeah, some somebody cool. had messaged me. They were like, "Hey, you know Mikey?" I was like, "Yeah." They was like, "Oh, that's my guy." <laughs> but but um, basically, I, anytime I talk to you, I, I, I tell people that you're a TikTok influencer. So yeah, same same difference. <laughs> I, I'm trying to get big on TikTok. I'm at like 500 followers, but I need to get to a thousand to really start shaking it. But um, TikTok, yeah, yeah, TikTok's what? I think huge. he said it's huge. It yeah. Huge oh yeah. Market. Yeah. I completely I agree. Um, but I just wanted to cover it for fun initially. It kind of just took off by itself. Um, I, I always watched the sport for a long time, um, and then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just start doing a po- doing posts here and there about it. I had made an initial page called Against the Cage, um, and I was doing that one for a while. I had got to like eleven, twelve thousand followers, and then IG deleted it. Mm. Um, cause I was posting fight clips at the time and at the Copyright. time Instagram wasn't owned by Facebook. So you could post anything. Um, and they wouldn't take it down because it was like a, you know, like a free platform or whatever. But once Facebook bought Instagram, they started going back and looking at anything you ever posted it. And if it had anything copyrighted in it, they took it down. And after like a certain amount of takedowns, they'll delete your page. Um, so then I restarted it just under my name cause I couldn't do against the cage again. Um, and then I just started Tony Clark MMA and I just kept posting and, you know, people were following me. And then after a certain point, people would just follow you for no reason, just cause you haven't so oh, yeah. many followers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I did. That, you know, I, like, I, have, I guess I have like, um, you know, fighters follow me like Yoni and JJ, Alistair Overeem, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, um, oh. It's 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 a cool experience too. Like after meeting Alon and stuff like that, and even other fighters, like they're all like normal people too. Like at the same time, as as you know, polarizing as they can be, yeah, as polarizing as it can be, they you know they're normal people like anybody else. And it's it's been a cool experience for me just to grow doing that. And then with the podcast, I already knew Mikey for a long time. They um asked me to come on and be on it with them. I was kind of hesitant at first because I'm not, uh, I'm kind of introvert, so I don't really like talking that much. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, they, they work, they work me into it. Is and, that why IG and going that route is a good outlet for you? Is because you're introverted, so you can actually talk about things, the, but, you know, you're not front and center, your words on right, it and everything. Right. Yeah. Like I've had people tell me to like do YouTube or other stuff, but I don't like, I'm not good at talking with stuff, stuff like that, but. One of the things also, I like about tell you to do Twitch. What now? You've also had people to tell you to do Twitch streams. Yeah, I mean, I I streamed the other day, but I just didn't have my camera on. I uh, one of the things that I like about you is your, you know, what the guys have already mentioned is you do a good job of uh, consistently posting on social media and really utilizing that. And before we got started, the kind of the research, David and I did a lot of. Uh, successful, whether if they were video game streamers or podcasters or whatnot, that kind of the what we heard is that you want to utilize every single avenue of social media that you can, and and so just to kind of 
keep that content out there. And as we're growing, we're starting to do more in that kind of, you know, deciphering out how we want to, how we want that to look. But then also one of the things you do is that you're not just putting out content willy nilly. It seems that you have, you know, somewhat of a plan like woman crush Wednesday, for example, yeah. uh, where you highlight women on wins, you know, women MMA fighters and, and, and really tap into their fighting ability and then their femininity as well. And so I think you really, you know, produce great content and that's why in a unique way. And that's why you've seen that organic growth and, and to be able to, Hey, I had this page shut down by freaking Facebook, Mark yeah. Zuckerberg. And, uh, he, uh, he censored me, uh, <laughs> and then uh, I started up again. And so and it's bigger now and it, it grew faster this time than it did the first time. Um, What's been the, what would you say has been, been, you know, any of y'all can speak for this as far as with the podcast or whether if it's fighting or covering MMA, like you do influence an influencer, uh, whatever it is, what do you think? And I know what David and I would say, um, at least I think I know what David would say, but what do you think has been the most challenging aspect for you, for you guys? You can just say in reference to the podcast, what we'll start, let's start there. What's been the most challenging aspect with the podcast? Uh, I would really probably say growth. I would probably say growth. It's it's uh, you know, I I got out of cooking because it's like man, I I I want to do something I enjoy. I enjoy talking to people about sports or about movies or whatever. So, um, it's it's the idea of of making money doing something that you enjoy. It's, everybody wants to do that, right? Right. And you, you see guys like Rogan. He just talks to his friends and gets paid millions of dollars every year just to talk to his friends and it's like how how can we do that and so probably growth and uh reaching that status to you know possibly get paid in the future it's probably been a little um taking a little longer than um you know you probably want it to i don't i don't know what the goal for these guys are i don't know if our goals line up the same way um but i would just say growth and awareness of our product it's probably to me it's probably been the most challenging mm-hmm. and probably just also like um i don't know if your podcast with y'all is it just the two of y'all yeah it's just the two of us so there's like four or five of us at a time i know and that's probably one of the hardest things which it, it's it's like a it's a it's a double-edged sword we get five different opinions or four different opinions which is awesome because someone might three of us might think one way and then the fourth person thinks another way. And it's like, Oh, it's like, I never even thought of that. You know, we wouldn't have gotten that opinion and we're not. And the, the good thing is also is like, whereas you two might agree completely like on the same side, there's always going to be a discrepancy between the four or five of us. So we're going to get both sides. Like sometimes Lindell will play like devil's advocate. If we all agree on something, which it's rare because there's five or four or five different opinions, right? Right. But, um, you know, and then obviously us trying not to talk over each other or trying to, like, you know, everybody's trying to talk at once and give their opinion, and it's hard to manage, you know, how long someone wants to talk. Because, you know, we also have guests on sometimes, and we're trying to ask questions, mm-hmm. whereas I'm sure we all want to ask, you know, five or ten different questions, but, like, the our our guests would be on for an hour and sometimes they don't want to be on that long. They want to be on for like 15, 20 minutes and then be out. Yeah. Um, so, so I'd say that's probably the hardest thing for, for what I'm thinking of would be just having so many different voices, but at the same time, it's also really good. 
Yeah, I hear that. Uh, what would you say, Tony? Um, for me, uh, probably when it's the smaller shows, like it's hard giving up your, every Saturday. You know what I mean? Um, you know, before I was doing the podcast or even like doing my content, you know, you have a Saturday come up, you're like, all right, I'm about to go on vacation. I'm about to go hang out with my friends. Now I feel sort of more obligated to watch the fights, try to pay attention because I know I'm going to have to talk about it mm-hmm. on the podcast or make posts about it, stuff like that. Um, so especially when it's like a lesser known name card, like, like shit, I'm really giving up my Saturday for Ramdan Ramladamov. Like, God damn. Like, <laughs> uh, but, but that's, that's probably the hardest part for me. Like I, but I love doing it. You know, I, I, at some point I would like to, you know, f- try to figure out how to make money out of it. Like Lindell said too, but, um, you know, yeah, just the time and effort you got to put into it. I think. So, what would you say, Mikey? I think that, I mean, the podcasting, I think we all kind of just got into it because we like, like, like designating, we all love MMA. It's very clear at this point, but like designating time every week to sit down, like it's not forcing conversation, but it's like, if you think about it, like everyone has their lives going around, everyone has their different journeys and like being able to like just sit down, hang out with people, like people who like love what you love and just be able to just discuss that it's cool and it's really it's like unique and and like we own it it's our thing like it's cool um i think in terms of growth and making money out of it it's it's uh, that takes a lot of work and consistency and with what tony does and his growth uh, and i think instagram and tiktok are the two biggest platforms we would have to be as active and as content based Mm -hmm. as tony as, yeah. as opposed to just, hey, guys, we released an episode tonight. Or we released an episode, episode 54. This is what we talked about. Come check it out. But yeah. like, give them, like, maybe, like, sound bites of all of us right now. And then start clipping it up. I mean, it also takes a lot of effort and time. But if we can have Alon saying something goofy on, on, on the show, and then we clip it and, like, you know, <laughs> post it and show Alon's personality, like, people go, oh, Alon, he, he fights. Oh, oh, and, like, uh, it'll just showing more of, like, the podcast members and the, not even the vulnerability of it, but like more of who we are is, is what's going to sell the podcast. Cause essentially mm. the podcast is its own brand and we have to sell it to the people. Like maybe we have some of our close friends. We'll tune into an episode or two, but like to expand to newer audiences like Poland, we're like mm-hmm. ranked in Poland for some reason yeah. for sports podcast, which yeah. is awesome. So go, go JJ and go Jan Blakowicz, you know, but yeah, right. Um, I, I think I think we would all have to get, sit down and game plan and figure like, okay, what can we do to use our because social media is our new like this is our commercials. These these are our commercials. No one's sitting down watching TVs anymore. TV anymore. It'll be right. like before I go to bed, you know, I'll scroll Instagram or maybe I have like a five ten minutes sitting in my car before the gym. I'll scroll Instagram. So this is these are our commercials and our advertisements now. This is the age that we're in. And one That's more. That. One more thing to add um, is so like how like 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 Mikey was saying like you know we love MMA and you know we're trying to find this time to you know sit down and talk about the fights and stuff. I think it also makes it hard because like we're in a group chat and we're already talking about the fights as they're going on and reacting to them, and we've already we've basically already talked about what we're talking about on the podcast 
So mm-hmm. I think so I think it makes it kind of stale. Not want to say stale, but it just it we don't have the um it's not fresh. Like, you know what I mean? Like like I don't I know exactly what you if, mean. You know what I'm saying? Like if I didn't if we if we were in the group chat and we didn't say anything, we didn't we just watched the fights on our own and then we just showed up on Sunday and then we turned it on like, yo, did you see like we started it up <laughs> I don't know what Lindell's thinking. I don't know what Tony's thinking. We don't even know. That'd probably be the most organic way to do it. But that would mean you can't talk to your friends about the fights, you know, while the fights are going on. Yeah. Fights. And so it would kind of suck. But that would probably be the, if you really think about it, that would be the best way. And it wouldn't get, it wouldn't feel stale. It'd be like, oh, man, I can't wait to hear what Tony's going to say about this fight. Like, that fight was so crazy. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think that's part of it, too. That's basically what we do. We kind of, it's not like a hard rule, but we will send each other articles or we'll kind of have like an outline of what we're doing, but I won't talk to Joseph about a whole lot of stuff, at least, um, that's going to be on the podcast that week. Right. Um, so, cause sometimes we'll talk about a movie and we'll both watch it, but, and, and I'll be like, Hey, I actually really liked this, but it, that's it. And everything yes. else kind of gets saved so that we can have a discussion. It, it definitely helps. Smart. It definitely smart. does because we realized at first we would have these long conversations. And as you said, then we go into the podcast and it keeps it stale and we're kind of just repeating the same things we've already said or, or disagreed on. And I think even now, if there is something that's like, man, can you believe this stupid crap that just happened? And like, well, we'll keep it short and sweet, but we're not going to have a conversation that way we can save it for the podcast. Be like, okay. Right. Cause ours is more of a, uh, the underground is more of a, a cultural uh, podcasts and political so it's, we're not just talking about politics uh, some episodes may lean more heavily po- political but then some episodes lean more so like uh, we'll talk about mma fights we'll talk about movies video games uh, we'll talk about stuff going on within christianity because we're both christians and stuff like that and uh you know maybe it's you know this controversy or not a controversy or just something that we think the church could do better something like that and so it really helps when we're not talking about these things uh, outside of the podcast. It really helps when we come into to the podcast to really dive deep. Um, so uh, uh, we'll see you, Mikey. You have a good one, man. See you, Mikey. Thanks, man. Appreciate you being on, man. But, uh, you know, y'all, y'all brought up donation being a hard thing. What should, do y'all have a plan with that? Have y'all thrown out some brainstorms on how y'all plan on maybe potentially profiting from you know your social media and your podcasts no we haven't really even talked about it like i briefly spoke about it with uh lindell and i think tony was in that chat like you know like i was telling them like you know i don't really know what everybody else's ambitions for the podcast are Mm -hmm. but i know like i would like to start getting you know like sponsors in like you know doing our ads or whatever so that we, we're all getting some type of money or whatever like you know some type of kickback just mm-hmm. so that it, it, it's more it'd be more of a i don't want to say motivation because i like i like to do the podcast we do an it incentive i still would do it but yeah it'd be more of an incentive, incentive. It's like it's like all right like we just got this we just partnered with this uh cbd company and now we can we're going to do a giveaway for this and you know the cbd company wants to pay us a hundred bucks you know, for the month, just because, you know, we're going to throw their name out every week and we're going to put it on the set, you know what I mean? Like that type of stuff, like that just seems like it'd be a cool thing to go towards to where even if we're making like, 
even if we're making like a, like a, like a hundred or even 50 bucks a month, like 50 bucks a month just to do a podcast on a Sunday with my friends and talk about MMA. Yeah. Like right. That would, be, that would be cool. So, um, and then obviously if you get to like a Joe Rogan level, that would be also really cool. Um, so, I mean, I guess we haven't really had a conversation about it. Like as a, yeah. as a whole podcast group, I think some, I think with some pot podcasting niches and, and categories, advertising works right because if you're an mma guy and you know mcdonald's comes to you and says hey we'll give you a thousand bucks a month <laughs> so you don't have to worry about like you're you're not talking about burger king right and it, you, you don't have right. to worry about talking about burger king because it's not in the sphere of what you're doing right? right um whereas uh you know with other people who are maybe they're a more of a cultural podcast or more of a political podcast or mm-hmm. or, or this or that um that's more general and open then it kind of hinders that free speech some uh, because, you know, if if McDonald's does come and says, hey, you know, here's a thousand bucks. Well, then now you can't talk about Burger King because now you have now you have the sponsor. But uh, now I know a lot of podcasters do Patreon and one one of our inspirations, you know, for podcasters, if you were to say, what's the the goal we looked, I think everybody would say Joe Rogan, right? His podcast but also up there with that, and I would even say even higher than Joe Rogan's podcast is No Agenda podcast. I don't know if you're all familiar with uh, Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak, but Adam oh. Curry is known as the Podfather. David, you can correct oh. me if I'm wrong, but he's the the first person who did a podcast, correct? He created the RSS feed and everything. Uh, I've, heard Joe, yeah, I mean, I've heard Joe mention him before. Yeah, he's been on he's been on Joe's podcast. He used to be a VJ like back in the 80s. For MTV. He had, he had like massive blonde hair. Um, and so now and he used to own a castle. <clears throat> he did. Yeah, he owned a castle in like Ireland or something like that. It was it's cra- crazy. He has some crazy stories. Um, but he's credited as the pretty much the creator of the podcast because uh, you can actually go back and watch uh, a keynote uh, with Steve Jobs where he brings up Adam's uh, Adam's podcast. Um, yeah. So, so it's uh, it's Apple Podcast is because of Adam Curry. Yeah. Adam sold um, that to uh, Steve Jobs, correct, David? Uh, I, I couldn't <laughs> say for sure. Um, I, I think he did sell it to Steve Jobs or, or allowed Steve to because they met about it and talked. Yeah, a- Apple kind of help pave the way for what's happening today and what adam curry is doing now is something called podcasting 2.0 uh he's trying to make it a little more um he's he's trying to decentralize it would be the best way to put it so uh what apple is doing is trying to get into subscriptions and they're kind of doing all this weird stuff that sort of goes against the spirit of podcasting which was originally you got a friend, you got a couple friends, get some microphones, record something, throw it up there. Maybe you get uh, a fan base off of it. Yeah. Um, and so he's tr- what he's trying to do is add the ability to uh, donate uh, with crypto and some other different things. Um, that I mean, it, it's still in the, that early stages. They haven't completely launched it yet, but really just decentralize it so that no one has the ability to shut you down. So like if Apple doesn't like your thing and you're dependent upon Apple and then one day you accidentally say something wrong or Tony, like you were saying, all of a sudden Facebook owns Instagram and they shut down your page and you have all these followers and you put in all this work. Um, having decentralized platforms in that way helps right. that to not happen. Prevent that. And then exactly. the people who are you know, the only people you're beholden, beholden to are those who are donating to you. Right. Just, and so, yeah. 
Yeah, but they already like your content, so you don't really again your your speech isn't limited and impacted in any type of way. Yeah. Maybe some episodes are more popular than others and so forth. Uh, but that's kind of the idea behind podcasting 2.0 is and and again what we do is instead of doing any type of um, tier system and any type of also it doesn't put any extra work on you right like you don't have to worry about okay if you pay five dollars a month you get this if you add ten dollars a month you get an extra episode a week at fifteen dollars a month you get this there's no extra work involved it's just hey it's a value for value system time talent and treasure that's what we use right so your time if you want to try and find clips or articles that you think would be useful for our podcast send them to us uh, if you want to and talent goes along right in there with time if you uh, are good at editing or you're good at uh, whatever and you want to donate your your talent and your time with that you can uh see like one of our friends right now he is an artist and he's working on cover art he just hit me up last week he's like hey man you mind if i shoot you some ideas for cover art for your podcast my absolutely you can do the main cover art and then each week you know if you wanted to do a cover art for each episode we can change it uh or your treasure if you want to donate your crypto or your money and whatever value you're getting out of our podcast uh you can donate that so if you're only getting five dollars a uh, you think $5, my mic keeps falling as I keep hitting it. Uh, if you're only getting, uh, I'm very, I'm a very animated talker. So right now this isn't helping me out. Uh, it, if you think we're worth $5, like that's the value you're getting out. That's fine. If it's $500, you know, and I think eventually we'll break it up to where, okay, if you, we'll make up different names, we can call people like, you know, I know like on, uh, what is it? Is it on MoFax podcast or No Agenda? No, No Agenda. They call at a certain level. They call everyone producers. Um, so if you donate, you're that, a producer because you're helping yeah. to produce the podcast essentially, oh, and it's nice. it's a legitimate credit there. So Adam was talking about it this past Thursday. That I think the drummer for Weezer is a fan of their show, and he has donated at like an executive producer level for them, and he put put it on his IMDb page. So it's it's an actual wow. credit. They've even said that if you put that in your resume, they'll back you up if you go if like someone wants to know about that. So they they try to make it a legitimate thing for their followers. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, it's not just about messing around and joking. And it's kind of the idea behind that's what happens in Hollywood. Since Adams from that is you know virtually I think one of the things he constantly says is virtually anyone can be a producer in Hollywood if you just say uh, a, a single helpful hint or whatnot. But then that's why you have producer. Then you have executive producer with them and stuff like that. So eventually we'll get on on that route. That's kind of how we saw it. But the main reason is because one of the things David and I are behind is really uh, decentralization. We don't really care where you fall on as far as political spectrum as, you know, with Trump or Biden or whoever you want to say. But it's about freedom and, and you being able to speak freely, uh, talk about what you want to talk about and not – Man, I just feel like so many people get butt hurt these days. It's like you can't be friends with someone who, yep. you know, thinks TJ Dillashaw won the fight last night. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, Lon. Yeah. You mean Lindell? Yeah, Lon. <laughs> oh man, I'm like the least butt hurt person here. Lindell, man. Uh, tell me about you, man. You mentioned that you were a chef and. You're a huge critic of yourself and of you know movies and TV shows and, and you like sports. So former basketball uh, athlete. Yeah. Former um, what? Basketball. I, athlete. I played basketball in high school. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I it, it, here's where you're gonna hear me critique myself. I probably did the least amount out of all these guys as far as 
really just everything. Um, I grew up playing baseball, basketball, football, uh, did Taekwondo. Um, I do not have a legitimate black belt, but I say I have a, uh, I, I still say I have a black belt because my teacher gave me, he actually awarded me a black belt. Um, but he was moving, so I didn't get my legitimate, I didn't get it anyways. Anyways, uh, yeah, I, um, I figured I'd become a chef out of high school. I thought it would bring me girls. Um, it did not. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I figured, I was like, you know what, what, what's. What's something that a girl's gonna want? Oh, she's gonna want a man that can cook for her. So I was hey, like, man, man, maybe you just chef. haven't met the right girl yet, you know? I, I mean, I guess, but uh, yeah, I worked as a chef for about nine years. Um, Where'd only you three work? different. Did you go to La Cordon Bleu? Did you go through culinary arts? Uh, did you train I, under a, a nice chef? I went chef? through a community. I went through a community college. Um, okay. Which I had ACC a, has a really good uh, yeah culinary program as well. Yeah, I went to a community college. Uh, then I started working at a hotel. Um, worked my way up to the sous chef level. Um, Dude, things didn't work out. Up. Things didn't work out at that hotel. So then um, I ended up working at a catering company, which I'm not going to say their name because they don't deserve any type of uh, <laughs> any type of advertisements from me. Uh, I worked there for three and a half years. Um, once again, worked up to a manager level position. Um, once again, things didn't work out there. So then I ended up working for um, a smaller catering company, most recently a smaller catering company. And uh, through that time there, I just kind of cooking, the joy of cooking was gone. Like I, mm. I just did not um, enjoy doing it. And I just made up my mind. I was like, you know, um, I'm going to, I'm not going to do something that I don't enjoy anymore. Like I'm 32 years old. I want to enjoy however long I have left on this earth. Uh, so from that point on, I just made it, made up my mind. Like I'm, I'm only going to do what I enjoy doing from, from here on out. Now, what is that exactly <laughs> as far as uh, income wise? I have not figured that out. Uh, it's a daily struggle, but I just, I just pray and ask the man upstairs to, you know, direct me, um, to what it is I'm supposed to do and just trust that whatever that is, I'll, I'll enjoy it. And it, uh, it'll provide for me as long as I'm mm. on this earth. So, um, yeah, and I, I love talking sports with people. I love talking movies with people. Um, I can literally talk to you about virtually anything. You want to talk religion? Let's go. You want to talk about uh, Batman? Is my favorite character. If you can tell by my background and hat. Uh, you know, my favorite teams are Miami Hurricanes. I love talking college football. Uh, you know, that, that's Keep going. Kinda... I'm going to step away and grab something real fast since you said that. Uh, that's, that's, he's going to pee. <laughs> He's going that's to kinda, be. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of me in a nutshell, you know. I um, I'm one of those people that if I'm interested oh. in it, let's go. It's all about you, the baby. You. If uh, if if I'm interested in something, um, I will. I won't say I'll, be, I'll become an expert at it, but I do my due diligence. And um, you know, MMA, like since I have a Taekwondo background. I can watch a fight and dissect it. I can't tell you all of the jujitsu holes and moves and how to pass it. I can't do that because I don't, I don't practice it. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as like fight tactics, like I'm right there in the fight. I love watching boxing before uh, the promoters ruined it. But um, yeah, that's, that's kind of me in a nutshell. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a high morals guy. Um, very, I'm, I'm introverted like Tony. I 
try to stay off of social media as much as possible because at this point in my life, I cannot mentally handle uh, some of the things that come with social media. So until I can handle it, I kind of stay away from it. Um, yeah, that, that's that's kind of me in a nutshell. That's what's up, man. Yeah, I, uh, first off, I like Batman. He's far stars with comic books, uh, heroes. Uh, Batman's my favorite. And then I got this Miami Hurricanes hat because I was a huge Mark Rick fan. Um, mm-hmm. that's why I got it when he left Georgia and went to, uh, Miami, I grabbed this, but my favorite college team is Washington, uh, Huskies, Washington university. Uh, cause I was born in Washington state, mm-hmm. but you prayers know, you mentioned, Rick, by the way, cause he's got, he's got diagnosed with uh, Parkinson's recently. So prayers up to him. Yeah, man, he did. And talk about man, just keeping his head up too with that. That was a uh, pretty interesting where, inspirational statement that he made about his Parkinson. That's a light momentary affliction compared to what's to come for me. Uh, so, you know, what led you to do the podcast then? Like with all that, how'd you meet up with Tony? How'd you meet up with, was it Alon? Was it Mikey? So, uh, during strange things happen, I think for everybody during the pandemic, um, the strangest things for me, I'm I'm also an avid gamer. Um, the strangest thing that happened to me was I met through, uh, Alon, um, and Mikey, I met Tony Clark through, you know, playing Call of Duty Warzone. At the time, he only played really multiplayer, so we had to convert him over to the Warzone side of things. Uh, and Mikey invited me to come on the pod with him, with uh, Alon. He's like, yo, just come on the pod and talk. And at this time, I wouldn't say that I watched every single fight card. I would just kind of mainly watch, like, the main event cards, the pay-per-view cards. Um but, you know, I, I decided, I was like, you know, I, I do want a podcast. Uh, the name is probably going to be Nerds to Society when I when I get it going. Um, but uh, I eventually do want to have my own show. Um, Dude, that's yeah, up, just so kind of hopped on with them. And it's just kind of been the, the story ever since. So what do you think, while you bring up that Nerds to Society, let me ask you this. Uh, what do you think as far as, like, Marvel's directions and a bunch of these uh, – DC and stuff like their new movies, like Black Widow, for example, or or stuff like that. The direction they're going and kind of, or or maybe the the state of Hollywood right now. You, you know, they joked earlier about like you had to go 15 years back to find something that Wendell liked. You know, what? So, what is your assessment of of Hollywood? Because I want to know because David and I have talked about this on our, one of our episodes. So I want to see if 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 we line up here. Be honest so, though, no worries. So this 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 is why you might hear people call me a hater. So. I I think what it all what it all boils boils down to in Hollywood when you talk about DC versus Marvel is uh, leadership and Disney as a whole until recently but for the most part they've kind of had the same leadership and when you have one team pulling towards pulling towards a central direction and a central theme things just seem to work out better for you and and that's right. what Kevin Feige has bought is uh, brought to Marvel. DC, on the other hand, you know, they don't necessarily have a Kevin Feige or mm-hmm. somebody to kind of, you know, pull the team in the same direction. You have a bunch of guys, you have a Zack Snyder with, you know, he's a visionary director of storytelling. He's, he's really not that good with storyteller, but you have Zack Snyder <laughs> who he wants, he Uh-oh. wants to bring in, he wants to bring in, uh, I'll get to him. He wants to bring in comic book writers. And if you know anything about comic books, 
there is no such thing as a centralized story in comic books. You have different writers and artists who are given license to different characters and they want to tell their own version of a story. Well, if you're trying to compete with Marvel, who has a centralized story with little branches kind of branching off, you're really not, you know, it's going to be very difficult for you to make up that ground. Um, so, yeah, Warner Brothers in D.C., like, you know, they do have their directors, Christopher Nolan, who is a good storyteller. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm trying to think of some other directors that they have. I can't think off the top of my head, but um, I, I just think Hollywood as a whole, like everybody's trying to kind of catch up to Marvel. Um, but unless you have leadership that's been, you know, developed over years, it's going to be very difficult. And I just think as a whole, Hollywood, a lot of different studios, they just lack leadership and and direction that's why we're getting a lot of crappy movies and Mm -hmm. um tv shows i'm not a big fanboy per se which is why i kind of you know i I crap on some of the marvel things because i'm like while some of the aspects are good not everything that marvel does is great all the time uh we could talk about loki i think three of the six episodes of loki were outstanding the other three not so much I should say four of the four of the six were outstanding. The other two, not so much. Um, so that, that's kind of kind of how I think of things. I can I can speak for and, and Antonio Juan, feel free to chime in as well <laughs> on what y'all think too. Because uh, one of the things I like about all, having all of y'all on is just your your insight and intellect into everything. And one of the things that David and I see is a bunch of pandering, in that like we're going to either race swap or gender swap or you know orientation swap this character just for the sake of like they're forcing it in instead of to where it makes like even if you wanted to do it to where it makes sense i'm forgetting a movie that this past week i remember to where i'm like this is the the one time i feel like whether i can't remember if it was a race swap or gender swap and i felt like it worked but i can't remember what it is but you know you have something like Terminator Dark Fate to where you already have a solid female uh, character in Sarah Connor, but they still gender swap the lead role or you have um, um, or, or, you know, your stereotypical kind of like the secret in Hollywood right now is that you can't have a a male uh, one up the female. Right. So you have Star Wars, for example. And from the first movie to the to the last uh, movie Ugh. of this new trilogy, you know, <laughs> Kylo was never a threat to to Riley or whatever her freaking Ray, name was. To Ray, Ray, uh, you know, she was from the get go stronger than him and stuff like that, and and, and everything. So, uh, I think that's our problem. Like the the way David and I see it is, it's like instead of like for example, if if you want to talk about, I don't know. Uh, Asian, right? Let's say Asian culture. It's like instead of necessarily, unless it makes sense, like uh, race swapping uh, this character, like we're going to make a, an Asian Batman, right? Why not go into uh, the different parts of Asia and tell the folklore, like come up with something original with an original character, an original outline, and like show us something new? Because right now it's just like we're getting a lot of reboots, we're getting a lot of redones, or they're going in the yeah. franchises. And just destroying the easy way them. out. Yep. It's yeah. the easy right. way to do it. Well, it's like Loki, right? Like Loki was revealed that he's bisexual. And it was like a very, it was a very small <laughs> lie. He did it. It was so brief, right? 
and when I first read the article about it, I was like, oh, I was like, so they're forcing that in, which I guess like, like Lindell said, like comic comics, there are so many different like variations of like storylines and stuff. So I guess in some things he was bisexual, but like just the way they, they threw it in there, it was so quick, but I was like, I was like, whatever. I was like, I'll give you all that. You know, because you, you, you remember that line? He's like, you know, yeah, he's like, I, you know, there have been, you know, I think he said, like, there's been men, women, or whatever. He said something like that. Yeah, but. she was she was asking him about his, like, love life. And she uh, goes, yeah. princesses and maybe a prince. And he kind of, he like, confirmed both. it. Yeah. Yeah. Both, yeah. yeah. I, and I was like, okay. It was so small, though. I was like, at least they didn't, like, lean into it and, sure. like, well, make it, like, a big thing. The, the difference, I think the thing that has, has bugged me in recent years is how it's not creative in the way that they handle this storytelling. I Generally in Hollywood, I don't care that they're, they have certain, writing. certain opinions. I mean, you look at something like V for Vendetta and it's, it's a movie and like, I haven't read the comic in years, but the movie in particular was something that had a pretty big impact on my life. And it's it's clearly a criticism of uh, conservative culture, for the most part. I mean, there it's clearly trying to hit those points home, but it does it in a way where the overarching themes of what they're trying to get across could apply to anyone. The idea right. of, of uh, a tyrannical government overtaking a group of people and forcing its will upon them, and kind of the questions that that come up uh, in that. Whereas nowadays, everything. I mean, it's just it's preachy. I mean, even Mar- Marvel's getting right. to the point where I- I'm just like, guys, I- I'll go to church if I want someone to preach at me. Like, I don't need, I don't need this from you guys. Um, and then they've uh, they've recently been hiring a lot of people who put activist as their their first sort of uh, thing in in their title. Yeah. So it's like, oh, they maybe they're a writer, but they're an activist above everything else. And I'm like, I. You know, and they do self inserts. There's been a lot of that that's been going on, and it, it just it kind of gets exhausting. And you know, mm-hmm. you don't need any of that. I mean, you look at someone like Ripley from the Alien series, at least the first two. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's badass. Yeah, and that that was back in the the 70s yeah. and 80s. So it's like you have the templates for what these things look like. You don't have to to force this in and try to tell like to to preach at us or tell us that this is the way things need to be. It's like if you make good stories with good characters that follow these that people can connect with. It really doesn't matter what they look like, you know, who, who they choose to be with anything like that. People will connect with them. And it's also to me comes across as racist or prejudice when it's like, okay, you have these people who are still at at the top, right? If you want to look at it from the liberal perspective and, and say, okay, well, there's still these white guys at the top and they're saying, Oh, well, well, you need us white liberals, whether if it's white men or white women, to to uplift your culture. I'm like, they already had a whole community of film. Like you had Blade, you have, you know, whatever you want to say with Asian, with with the uh, black culture and film, with this and with that. It's like it comes across to me as like you're putting yourself in the position to almost be the savior when they don't need you to be the savior. They can they can speak for themselves. They're quite competent, and, and it's already been. This isn't, again, this isn't saying things don't happen, but this isn't 1960 anymore. We all know still things still happen. I'm just, we're just talking about levels, right? Frequency and everything. Right. And so at least to me, that's how I interpret it as far as, you know, I don't need to hear from you about uh, anything that's preachy or pandering what David was saying. What do y'all think? What about you, Tony? 
I am an easy man to please. <laughs> I, I, I watch. Are you are you I a milk toast fence sitter, Tony? I, I watch everything and anything just about um, unless it's like truly awful, then I'll have something to say about it. But I'm I'm not. Uh, That's fair. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I'm not as. Um, yeah. Did you watch Game of Thrones? I tried. I couldn't. Oh man, I have I have a pendant. I have an opinion of Game of Thrones, bro. I, I actually started it again recently. I'm still in season one. <laughs> like, I can't get through it. Bro, I can't get through it, bro. One through five. Six, yeah. really. Oh, six, six was okay. Six, perfect. Perfect. Season so, eight is, oh, God. You know what's bro. great is that you talk about that, and the, the main criticism is that the two guys who had creative control and that had no other experience before that, well, now the Lord, like Amazon was like, okay, we want to pick that same model. And so they hired two guys they, that literally have no, uh, Star Trek into darkness is their writing credit. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Dark, <laughs> and which was a terrible movie. And they're going to write. So, an and epic. it's funny. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's funny because I was kind of, you know, people, it came out that Jeff Bezos wanted <laughs> Bezos. game of Thrones for, for Lord of the Rings. Right. And, uh, he that's exactly what he said and it but lord of the rings is itself like even people who whether if you're a christian whether if you were an atheist whether if you're agnostic whether if you felt this or that it's kind of like they're two different things game of thrones what makes game of thrones is that it's its own thing and what makes lord of the rings is that it's its own separate fantasy as well like it can talk about romance without there having to be sex and stuff and so it came out like one of the rumors were, were an intimacy coordinator and someone pointed out to me that he's, they said, I bet uh, the nudity that's going to be in there isn't going to be anything that's sexual in type, but it's going to be a dark gritty nudity and it's going to be uh, um, where they're going to show possibly the villain or whatnot in a, to where you can be empathetic and sympathetic to him. And with the new release with Lord of the Rings, uh, the kind of some of the spoilers that's come out, that's, uh, essentially what's happening is that they're going to present the nudity that's in, that's going to be in Lord of the Rings, for example, is only going to be when they're in like constant, like showing the orcs or the elves being corrupted into orcs. Right. And uh, kind of co concentration type nudity. So. It's hmm. interesting. So, yeah. yeah. We'll see when it all comes out. Yeah. When is that supposed to come out? This year. I think the first episode's supposed to release It's in the winter. They said mid, they said mid, uh, 2022 oh okay man. Who knows? The, the, at least in the last back. now now this isn't this stuff isn't confirmed right none of this stuff is confirmed this is just leaks and everything and and it could come out a lot of people are expecting later this year but based off of the last leak report from the one ring.net uh mid mid 2022 hmm. so essentially like another year like june or july or something like that hopefully this year though because that would be I, i'm still excited to watch it i'm hoping they don't freaking drop the ball yeah i love i love fantasy and like sci-fi movies like i can't wait for dune to come out the new mm. dune oh like, that, looks that good. Looks, it looks it, so, does. it looks so dope like i just cannot wait for that to come out uh, that and then that new movie the green knight that's like, yeah, 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 that yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah that looks cool so that's like a fantasy and then you you know dune would be like the sci-fi um but i like that type of stuff like just weird weird stuff that's like not in a, like a reality based world, I guess. Yeah, because you want to escape, right? You want to yeah, escape from your life, life, and that's the problem. Yeah. That's the whole, yeah, so, that's the whole point of watching a movie. 
So, Joseph and David, I know I know that you guys, this is y'all's podcast, but I have a question to ask you guys. Go for it. Um, static it is. How about now? Yeah, your audio sounds weird. Eh? Okay, one second. <laughs> what, about, <laughs> what about now? Sounds safe. Still sounds the same. Go for it. Say yeah, go for it. Okay, uh, if you, I, I know people, it's, it's tough to ask. I'm sound like Josh now. It's tough to ask. Uh, what your favorite movie is if you could three three of your favorite movies off the top of your head no particular order do you want to go right you want to go first i'll go first okay fellowship two towers and trilogy got you yeah yeah, i'll just say lord of the rings i'll let that count oh man and then from then man it's difficult after that point dude so i like lord of the rings Man, you got the notebook. <laughs> nah, uh, uh, I like I like uh, the Dark Knight. Um, was it Returns with Heath Ledger in it? I like yep. that movie. Um, man, it's really difficult because I like Saving Private Ryan too. Um, mm. It's hard to pick. It, it truly is. I mean, I also like Harry Potter as well. Um, Man, in other sci-fi movies like the original Terminator, um, I like the. Uh, I, I'm not a I'm not a horror fan, but I do like the original Halloween and the original Jason as well, where it's more about the suspense and the thriller than it is necessarily seeing someone's kidney. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, what what would you say? I also like Drive. I like, um, man. That's difficult. That's a good question, though. But by far and away, Lord of the Rings is my favorite movie. All three of them. What would you say, David? Oh man, I mean, there are there are a ton, and it and it it depends. Um, I, I I go back and f- I mentioned it before, but I go back and forth with uh, Alien and Aliens. Which one's my favorite? Um, oh, yeah. Currently, it's Aliens. I, I I watched both of them. I watched a ton of movies during the the lockdowns and everything last year uh and uh aliens was one of those and there's just something about that movie i i i don't know it just it hits uh it hits in a way that a lot of other stuff doesn't um raiders of the lost ark is uh is way up there um shoot i Uh, could never get into indiana jones uh the temple of know. doom that's my favorite one yeah yeah that was one of my favorites for a long time um and then you know last crusade is also excellent i mean r.i.p sean connery it's like yeah. uh man let's see uh recently if you guys if you want a suggestion and you're into to like dark comedy uh one of the best movies i've seen this year is uh called the kid detective with uh adam adam driver no, 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 no. The, okay, so the only thing I can remember him from is that he was the the best friend of the main character on the OC, <laughs> which is like year, you know, years ago. He's like tall. Oh shoot! With the curly hair, I think curly so. hair guy, yeah, Adam Carolla. No, no, uh, no, that's the dude from the Man I know Show. Who you're isn't talking it? about? Yeah, that's the Man Show guy. Uh, Adam Brody, that's his name. Yeah. Yep. yep, yep. Um. So I like him. He uh he basically the the whole premise of the movie is that he was a, a a kid detective and 
he's all he's grown up now, but he hasn't really been able to let go of that because he helped a lot of people when he was a kid and he hasn't really done anything with his life. And so now he's in his early 30s and he gets a uh, uh, he gets hired to for a missing persons uh, like. Uh, investigation and so the whole movie is him trying to do this it has this like crazy sort of like twist ending uh that really works and you know the whole thing is just him sort of bumbling his way through through this but it's got this very like like seedy dark undertone to it um it's tough to explain but it's it's one of the only things i've seen in a while that i've just been really really impressed with you know it's like indie film that's where uh Hmm. you're really gonna find that stuff it's why i like uh a24 and a lot of the stuff that they put out because at the very least they're trying different things um you know they put the light uh, love and monsters oh love and monsters was great too from last year i don't know if you've seen that yeah that was good so it's it's stuff like that um Really, just looking for anything, hoping for some new, new material from somebody, because um, everything yeah. sort of seems cookie cutter. Same. Yeah, yeah, Con- yeah, it's all yeah. about content. Yeah, I, and I asked that because one of my ideas, y'all can steal it. I don't care. One of my ideas, as far as nerds of, of society, and I haven't told a lot on this, but I've actually been working on like templates and different topics and stuff. Um, one of my ideas is like when you're asked, "What's your favorite movie or favorite top five? everybody starts going through their emotions of what they felt with different movies. So my idea is like, okay, let's do a ranking system, but let's base it off of an emotion that you felt. So like, um, you know, an emotional, what's your top five emotional movies? Like a a movie that different, different movies that give you a different. Lindell um, dropping the heat over here. That's a good idea. I'm glad you said we could steal it because we're definitely. (laughs) I mean, because because at the end of the day, everybody, movies are subjective. TV shows are subjective. Sure. And you could break it down by genre or category, but like break it down by how you felt. Like a movie that you love that you were angry with at the, you know, how it was. Like, you know, we could talk about Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones angered a lot of people, but at the end of the day, they still love it. You know, Mm -hmm. I love one through, I love, uh, you know, seasons one through six but the ending still angered me so that would fall into like my anger hmm. category um That's stuff like idea. that yeah yeah Makes i sense. like that what were you gonna say Alon? um no i was gonna say because you were talking about like movies that make you feel like they have a feeling or emotion like one of my favorite movies that i definitely like that has like a really good feel good feeling i guess like you know about people dealing with people you know passing and going to you know mm-hmm. you know passing away it was big fish with uh Ewan mcgregor hmm. that's like one of my favorite movies you know him dealing with his you know his dad passing away and his dad used to tell him all these stories you know these mm. far-fetched sounding stories and then you know at the end you know at the funeral you see these people that he was talking about in the story he's never he never really believed his dad about all these stories that he would tell him and they were kind of like half like he would just tell these tall tales but like add on to them and i thought that was that's was like one of my favorite movies mm. of all is that time. one of your favorite movies because you've experienced uh a close personal loss or anything um no i don't know because at the time I, I think just like i mean i think i saw that movie when i was like probably like 12 or 13 like i mean it was, it's an old movie mm-hmm. i think i just just resonated with the feeling of the movie like I'm, i like really like sentimental uh type of movies like the legend of bagger vance like yeah. nothing doesn't really have to be i mean i love everything I, mean, I love action whatever but like 
stuff that really makes me like that pulls me into the emotion that they're trying to bring, yeah. like Shawshank, um, oh, that's stuff like one. that. Like that type, of, those type of movies will get me every time. Yeah. Uh, have you guys ever seen The Raid? About the love, oh, yeah. love those movies. I hate that they're making an American remake, oh, but I love. Those they did. Movies. It's called Daredevil. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I love that actor. Um, I can never say his name. Mm-hmm. He's been in some other stuff. Uh, something Ico or Iwo, I or Ico Uace. I can't. I can't pronounce it. Yeah, yeah the Raid is dope. Raid is dope. Uh, that I okay so. I was actually, Joseph and I were roommates the first time I ever saw that movie. And I watched it through in, uh, dubbed, I think, and then just went mm. back and watched it again subbed. And I was like, I'm just gonna, I was like, I have to watch this again. And I hardly ever do that. It's usually kind of a one, and then maybe I'll watch it again in a year or something like that. But uh, yeah, Train he's in a, a good another one. Oh, that's what I was yeah. about to say. Have you seen Train so, to Busan? Yes. Blood Red Love Sky it. is like, it's like Train to Busan. But on the plane, this is what Blood Red Sky is. Oh, so if you really, girl, she definitely turned turned she's a vampire. Oh, that movie! Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it's I like a that shit looks fun. Yeah. Like I said, it's not perfect, and I probably wouldn't score it high. But for originality, considering that we've we're starting to get like a lot of these claustrophobic type movies, mm-hmm. I thought it, it's one of those things. Like, man, if they could have nailed some of like some of the aspects that they missed on. Like this movie, we're talking about like one of Netflix, one of Netflix's best movies. So I give them an A for effort. Mm. Um, uh, if if you like the zombie thing or something like that, there's a uh, TV show called uh, Kingdom. It's yeah, uh, I yes, think it's Korean. Yes. Uh, if you yeah. haven't seen that, it's 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 pretty good. Because um, uh, that's really only in indie or in foreign films is where you get any type of you know originality or just good movies. Because in the mainstream blockbuster movies, yeah. they're really you really don't get them. I mean, they're very cookie cutter, generic. Cool. You know, I would like almost say like Labyrinth. Americans. Pan's Labyrinth is another good one that mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. is it very mainstream. I would I wouldn't consider it mainstream, but it's also it's Benicio del Toro or Guillermo. I'm sorry, Guillermo del Toro, um, and it's all Spanish. So yeah, I think that's why it's a hard watch. Yeah, I think it. I think it won an Oscar. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it did. Um, what I guess. And here's my critique about the United States. Like our history is so shallow and a lot of the history is are topics Mm -hmm. that people don't want to touch. Like people don't want to touch the topic of slavery just because they either don't know how to approach it um, or they don't want to offend anybody. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But some of these other countries, like their history is so long, like we see a story that we think is original and then kind of find out it's a, it's a retelling or a modern day take on like something that's, 500 600 a 500 600 year old story in their culture so i think that's why you get um a lot of different um films that are enjoyable if you can get past the subtitles like they make some great films uh overseas that are like uh parasite i love Uh oh that's such a good movie um is it one of the greatest movies of all time probably not but the f- when it came out, that's another thing about movies. Like sometimes it's when the movie comes out, how it can have an impact. And the fact that that movie came out during a time where we have, you know, just nothing but superhero movies, or we just have remakes, like that movie and the way that they did the subtitles. Uh, a lot of people don't know when they, especially in Korea, sometimes they will translate word for word 
and it is hard to keep up with versus yeah. that movie. They actually kind of summarize everything they were saying, um, which made it easier to watch. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I just think like history is, is kind of played a factor into that the films that we've gotten. That movie's a great example of a cr- critique on society without feeling like you're getting preached to. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I remember, I can't, maybe it's in the, um, in some of the special features or just something that I saw about it where, where they talk about how um, all of the poor people in the movie are portrayed as smelling bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, but nothing in it, they're, they're not necessarily looking at the people who are poor as the heroes and the people who are rich as the villains. There's very much, you know, it's the idea of that parasite. They're feeding off of each other for the things that they need. Um, exactly. And I, mm. I, man. Yeah. It's got kind That's of a, a fairy great, tale a movie. Yeah. 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 So I'm actually a really big fan of uh, 1917 as well, which came out the same year. They were both; those were the two like oh, th- that were up for uh, cool. for Best Picture. Um, so that was all when the the guy was trying to take the um, the message to his brother. Yep. Or his, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. That was good. Yeah. I really like that a lot. I like it more for the technical aspect that they tried to make it appear one to shot. be like a one shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad that Parasite won over that for <laughs> the storytelling aspect because agreed, especially especially the United States. Like our our history is tied up into war so much. It's mm-hmm. like to see an actual good story win over just a war story, which is usually like a shoe in sometimes for Oscar movies. Is it was that's completely fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think one of the things I liked about it is that it it wasn't. F- it's not like Saving Private Ryan where it's so focused mm-hmm. on. I, I think like. I think you see like five people die in the entire movie. Right. So you right. get this mm-hmm. different aspect of, of what he's trying to, uh, his like mission and yep. it's being set in world war, world war one, which is something that they don't normally do, but I completely agree. They really don't, we don't have the kind of history that uh, a lot of these other countries have. Um, it's surprising that they don't dig into some of these other cultures nearly as much. Um, I mean, there's, there's gotta be gold mines for, uh, storytelling and the, the different things that you can do. Um, we I mean, there is, they, they just, like like we were saying earlier, Hollywood, or in the United States, they're just kind of lazy. Like, instead of going to another culture mm-hmm. and doing a movie about their folk hero, they'll rather just change the ethnicity of one of our favorite heroes. Like, yeah. I don't care if Batman is black. I don't care if Superman is black. But, right. you know, there was a there was a movie that Chadwick Boseman was going to do about um, the first black samurai. I would love to see that. As far as if you want to talk about a black hero, I think we cool. end up getting we end up getting a Netflix anime instead because Chatwood passed away. But oh, is that what that's I would, okay? I would love to see more of those things. Bring me something new that I can get invested in. If I want Batman, I have my Batman movie. Yeah. I do want to see right. mm-hmm. Batman because I am not a fan of Christian Bale. That's a story for another day. <laughs> Christian Bale. Is, He's right above George Clooney for me for Batman. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm not. I, uh, I'm not all sold out on Christian Bell either. I don't. I personally don't think that Ben Affleck was this horrible Batman I love either. Ben Affleck. I love him. Yeah, I thought he. I thought he performed that that version of Batman really well. And I agree with you. I don't. I don't care so much if you want to make uh, Batman black or Superman black. That's fine. But if the consistent. Uh, the consistency, right, and the frequency at which you're trying to um, uh, you know, tell tell black stories, right? Like if you mm-hmm. just want to like race wise, and that's the only thing you're doing, you're not trying to be original and tell these, you know, this deep history that they have, whether if it's folklore or or if it's nonfiction work, 
it's, you know, what's your focus on? You're just being lazy. You're just like, well, we don't want to do all that work and actually tell something that could, you know, be inspiring or cool or whatnot. We just want to, let's just do this. Let's make it easy. Right. Um, yeah, they don't, or, understand. you know, whether if it's a gender or orientation. And again, I don't even care so much liberal, conservative, middle, whatever you freaking are far left, far right. It, 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 if you want to tell and pander and stuff like that, at least do it in an original way. You know, like, don't be lazy about it. Right. For sure. I agree. What were you going to say, David? Oh, I don't even remember now. (laughs) (laughs) Completely. You know, it just, it was there and then it's gone. I saw you look off to the side, like looking for it. Like, where did it go? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It happens sometimes. Yeah. Well, hey, man, I know we got, I know we've been going for close to two hours now. So I know y'all's time is valuable. Uh, we'd love to have y'all back on the podcast, whether if it's all four of y'all again, or I guess five, like, you know, with, with Josh, um, yeah. or if we just uh, have y'all incrementally on one-on-one, you know, two of you guys, whatever works out. And we appreciate y'all giving up your time and, and coming on here and talking to us. And again, uh, Tony, if you just want to let everyone know where uh, we can find you guys out, I'll let you, uh, you know, promote yourself, man, advertise market. Uh, we're at two gloves and a dub on Apple podcasts and instagram and google uh, and, and google okay are yeah, we on google spotify Pod- as well are we on all podcast on platforms all okay platforms, yeah. you guys are actually on every podcasting service because i use okay. an, another one and you can pretty much just look look up your uh the title of your show when it comes up so so normally josh does our promoting um thing so that's why i'm not not I too can, great I, at it i can fill in for him oh, oh crush crush your josh yeah, impersonation so- What's up, guys? So, yeah, check us out on the Lifers Podcast. We've got new merch out. Everybody loves merch, right? We've got new merch out. We've got our little uh, chibi shirts. You know, pick out your favorite one. Or you can buy our new logo, which is the group Two Gloves and a Dub uh, chibi shirt graphic. Um, We love being on, man. Y'all have us on whenever. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us on. You guys can find me at Alon Cruz, (laughs) A-L-O-N-C-R-U-Z, on all Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever it is, um, you know, and be on the lookout for my next fight. You know, I'll be posting. I really only use Instagram for the most part. Um, or if you look at my, my my Facebook page, my my pro page, that's I, anything I upload on Instagram goes straight to there as well. So if you follow me on those two, you'll kind of know what I'm up to as far as like fights and uh, training goes. And uh, yeah, man, thanks for having us on. Oh, yeah, for sure. Joseph just crashed out, so I guess we'll close yes. it out there. <laughs> thanks, guys. Bye, Joseph. All right, thanks. thanks. Politics ruins everything. Tell me what's worse than learning all that you led to believe was all horse crap. They distort so question as if you Warshack Horsemen force men and they've long been having the course mapped It ain't that you can't see Cause you can find it homes, it's that you don't want to You cope by putting the blinders on I've been trying to find some kind of way But I've kind of known that y'all would rather whine and lash to nonsense Cause your mind is gone I can't save every person in politics And it's bringing the worst out the very earth And every perk of living on this turf Is being chipped at and nerfed But I can't sit back and lurk I've got to hit back, I'm certain it's my purpose it's a beautiful thing too. Uh. Hold up. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Looking at the technological advances. 
I used to be on dial up looking for answers Now what? Underappreciating was candid And 20 years later we got computers that hand fit Used to be playing Sega Genesis with bros Now I'm gaming with some folks on the other side of the globe Used to go through a label if you trying to blow Now people got more options on the table, gotta post Social media, got us connected as ever on every medium Should be more righteous and clever, but what we see in this Communication is error and still the devious Evil's immediate, tedious that you gotta be remediate Cause idiots get heebie-jeebies in the event that they don't agree with you Try to ruin your whole life, cause you say what they dislike God forbid y'all disagree without a fight The type of stuff that will clear up if you lighten up Jack, your trifle subject, your life would right if you give up that You're mad at nothing, not adding up when you're sad enough at a sad sack that gets aggravated And now you pay it forward Let people make your blood boil Emotions firing like microwave foil Or the oil, they annoy you You add another's neck for the wrong reasons Election years now seeming like full-blown seasons Man, you let politics ruin Or rather, control Your whole life, man, you gonna be a miserable person Straight up Unfortunately, that's where we're at People are consumed by this And it's driving them crazy And they hate their neighbors